Last week I talked to you about the importance of who is defining you. That is so important. Who has your ears? Who are you letting speak into your life? That's a big question. TV? Oh, Lord help us all if the TV is. Um, Secular magazines, the magazines that are there at the checkout stand. Uh, The gossip rags. Somebody close to you, are they speaking into your life, defining you, telling you who you are, what you ought to be, how you ought to live? Um, Their assessment of you, and I shared with you that it's so important that the one definer of you and me is God. He's the one that needs to be our definer. Uh, Don't listen to any trash talk about yourself. You know, somebody trash talks you, just go, that wasn't my Lord. That wasn't my God talking to me, right? Anybody ever trash talked you and you walked away just feeling dirty and beat up? But did God ever say to you, who who was talking to you? Well, um, so-and-so. But you do know that wasn't me. Because I don't define my people down. I encourage, I exhort, I comfort. So today, I want to continue this thought, this theme, And I thought of a word. I'm calling the message, don't be babylized. Don't be babylized. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that in a minute, but everybody say babylized. Now, you won't find that in the dictionary. That's a wickwireism. But it's the best thing I could think of to describe what I'm going to talk about today. So when I talk about being babylized, I'm talking about don't let the world shape you. Because the world is Babel. It's Babylon. So I want to read quickly Daniel 1. Verse 1. Matter of fact, you can be seated because this is a little bit, I'm going to read quite a few passages. If you want to follow along with me, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll pray when I'm finished reading it. But I want you to listen to this because we're going to see these three Hebrew children plus Daniel, four Hebrew young men, taken into a foreign culture. I'll talk about that at the end of the text, but The reason I'm reading this text today is because immediately the king of Babylon set out to Babylize them. That is, to make them, to assimilate them into Babylon. To steal away from them their Hebrew biblical upbringing and Babylize them. Make them of Babylon, not of God. So, Here it is, starting at verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So this is the the time when Judah is taken captive for 70 years. They have sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. They have refused to repent. And now they're about to be taken captive and they're losing everything. Then once they get to Babylon... Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. In other words, he wanted the best of the best. Now, I want you to listen to the next verses very carefully because here is King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, um, plan of action to babylize them. 
He was to teach them, that is the king's servant, was to teach them, the Hebrews, the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Now the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. They were to enter the king's service after they were sufficiently babylized. Okay? Verse 6, among those who were chosen, you're going to know these names. Well, not the first ones, but I'll tell you that their names were changed later, but you'll get it. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Now, here's Daniel and the three Hebrew children's original Hebrew names. There was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who you know is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, the name Shadrach. To Mishael, the name Meshach. And to Azariah, the name Abednego. I'm going to stop there. Father, thank you for blessing your word today. Help us as a church and everybody watching online who we welcome into the house of God today. And Lord, everybody who hears this later on radio or social media, I pray prevent us and help us and strengthen us to not be babylized, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, quick backdrop. The backdrop here is God has sent prophet after prophet, primarily Jeremiah, to the children of Judah for a long time. Jeremiah started preaching to them and calling them to repentance when he was a very young young man, and they were taken captive when he was a very old man. So for all those decades, he preached to them to repent. He was the only one. There were others. And they did not listen. They actually burned copies of the Word of God and rejected God's Word. So finally, God sent judgment to them because their temple was destroyed. The beautiful temple Solomon had built was destroyed when it was 400 years old. Um, The wall was torn down. Their city was destroyed. Multitudes of them were killed. And the ones that weren't killed were taken captive into a foreign land with a foreign language and a foreign people and foreign gods for 70 long years. And Jeremiah had literally prophesied they would be captive for 70 years. And it was fulfilled, just like he said, which is what real prophecy does. It is fulfilled, precisely the way God said. Amen? Now, Babylon in the Bible is always a picture of the world, the the fallen, evil, wicked world that we live in, the, the, the whole system called the world that is against God and is under the sway of the evil one, um, that world is what Babylon represents. Babylon, world. Babylon means world. Now, when the first group of people arrived in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, as we just read, already had a plan. The first thing he did was select the most promising, gifted, brilliant, talented, young Hebrew men. Then when he had them, he chose four out of all of them. So the creme de la creme, the the top notch, the best of the best, were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the best. I'm going to talk about those names later because they really do matter. 
Now, his intent with these top four and all the rest that he took captive was literally, as I've already said, to babylize them. And what I mean is to remake them and transform them from being Hebrew young people who had been raised on Jehovah God and the Old Testament scriptures and fully assimilate them into Babylon. He wanted them talking, thinking, eating, and identifying as Babylonians. He wanted them to totally disconnect from and forget about uh, their Hebrew roots and the God of the Hebrews, Jehovah. He wanted to brainwash them. He wanted them to take them incrementally from being young men totally oriented to the God of the Bible and get them to the place where God who? I don't remember any God called Jehovah. My gods now are the gods of the Babylonians. I think Babylonian. I talk Babylonian. My language is Babylonian. And I am totally assimilated into Babylon. I don't remember my roots. So, he, so in other words, he wanted to corrupt them. Remake them. The Apostle Paul talked about this concept when he said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know the verses, be not conformed to this world. Don't be babylized. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be shaped into its mold. Don't think like it, walk like it, talk like it, live like it. You are different. You are the chosen of God. You are not, you're in the world, but you're not of the world anymore. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted to conform them, fit them into the mold of Babylonian, worldly, ungodly thinking and living. And the plan was, in verse 5, they were to be trained for three years And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So they weren't even useful to Nebuchadnezzar until they had been fully babylized. And that's exactly what Satan, the God of this world, listen carefully to me. I'm going to go right to where we live now and what we're witnessing in our own country. Watch this. This is exactly what Satan, the God of this world, is attempting to do with our society and even with many believers today. See, while he may have failed to keep you from Christ and from salvation, he will still work 24-7 to babylize you. Even though you're saved, your mind's not renewed. Even though you're saved, you're not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're still thinking like the world, walking like the world, talking like the world, living like the world, and your whole worldview is worldly instead of scriptural. He, He doesn't want us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because when we get transformed by the renewing of our mind, we become dangerous to the kingdom of Satan. Amen? And so the attempt to redefine and fashion and shape and mold the rest of the citizens of our nation into a very godless worldview and grossly immoral lifestyle is underway right now, almost with evangelistic intensity. I have never seen the world working harder to shape people's thinking and lifestyles than I see the world doing right now. We're not just being babylized, we're being hyper-babylized. Babylized to the 10th power. Thoroughly corrupted. That's what's happening in our culture right now. But who are you? You're the light of the world. Who are you? You're the salt of the earth. 
Who are you? You're a chosen generation. Who are you? You're a royal priesthood. Who are you? You're a holy nation. You're a member of a holy people. And who are you? You're a called out one. Why are you called out? That you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we got to live that way and we got to see ourselves that way. I'm not going to let the world define me. There is no way I'm going to let the world define me. My defining comes from heaven. And anytime God says to me, you are, I make that my own. I am. If I am, then I is. That's bad English, but it's good preaching. If I am, then I is. But I want to take a look at Nebuchadnezzar's tactics. Because these are the tactics of the world with us right now. Let's notice what he did. To babylize them. You tell me if this is not happening in our nation and with many believers right now. The first thing he did was to change their language. First thing he did. They spoke Hebrew. Nebuchadnezzar spoke Babylonian or technically Chaldean. It was a different language altogether. So in our story, this meant that these four Hebrew young men uh, had to give up their Hebrew language entirely and learn a completely different language. Like if you spoke English and I captured you and took you to Germany and you had to learn the German language and speak it fluently, a brand new language, that's what happened to them. He wanted to make them Babylonian, so he changed their language. But there's, listen, there's another kind of language that a person can learn. And that's the language of the fallen world. Language matters. Please say that with me. Language matters. The language of the fallen world, I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about the language of the fallen world. Listen carefully. When somebody or a group, usually an evil, ill-intentioned group, wants to take away a society or take a society away from a godly heritage and godly principles and godly lifestyles, one thing they will begin to do every time is change the meaning of words. Oh yeah, they redefine what words mean. They redefine what words mean. I'm going to tell you what's going on all around us right now. We're watching the redefining of all kinds of words that matter because they're biblical concepts and the meaning of the words are being changed. They redefine what words mean to definitions that fit their agenda. And it's a worldly agenda, not a godly. There's a word for it, and it's called social engineering. Social engineering. And we're watching social engineering take place at warp speed in our culture as I speak. When you change, listen carefully why this matters. Because when you change a word's definition, you change what pops into a person's mind when they hear that word. Okay? And in so doing, you very subtly but effectively change their beliefs about that word and about other things. Just changing the meaning of a word, you can change the beliefs of somebody. I'm going to show you how. 
In the last few decades, we've witnessed massive amounts of social engineering through the redefining of words and phrases. Let me give you some examples. And I'm not trying to pick a fight here. I'm not trying to make trouble. But I'm just going to tell the truth. Okay, watch. The, the word gay used to mean happy, carefree. You remember that Christmas uh, hymn, Don We Now Our Gay Apparel? Why'd they say gay apparel? Happy apparel, cheerful apparel, celebratory apparel. So that's what the word gay meant. Anytime you looked in any dictionary, that's what you found. But it's been redefined totally to refer to homosexuality while picking, putting a positive spin on what the Bible calls sin. No, it's gay. It's happy. It's cheerful. It's good. And it redefined the word. So when I hear it, I don't think cheerful. I don't think happy. I think homosexual. Because it's been redefined. And of course, along with homosexuality, other sexual sins, adultery, fornication, and we don't even remember what fornication means anymore. I said to somebody once, they were, telling, they were living with somebody and they weren't married, I said, well, aren't you kind of in fornication? They said, forno what? <laughs> Professing believer. But all these are sexual sins. I'm not picking on homosexuality, all of it. It's just homosexuality is one of the sexual sins. And, and there's a massive effort to redefine it. And if you think this definition wasn't changed intentionally, you are really mistaken. Because it was. Maybe a few people at the top of the, the media chain, or perhaps by the slow opinion drift of the general population, maybe by both, and I think it was both. But the change wasn't random. Um, it wasn't something that just happened. It was caused. As all societal change is caused on purpose. Words are redefined. Think about this. The redefining of one word, three letters, gay, changed the entire culture and how we look at something. And, and when, when a force or a group of people or whomever want to take a culture away from its godly heritage, mark it down, they will always proceed to redefine words. I'm going to give you another example. Marriage has been totally redefined. I want to read you the 1828 Webster's Dictionary definition of marriage. This is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? The act, here it is, marriage, Webster's, 1828. The act of uniting a man and woman for life. It continues, marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. End quote. I ask you, has it been redefined? 
Let me read you the, the redefinition. Webster's today. A legally recognized relationship established by a civil or religious ceremony between two people. Not a man and a woman, two people. Who intend to live together as sexual and domestic partners. All the purpose expressed in the first one, raising children, avoiding sexual sin. All the original purposes in Webster's 1828 definition was totally biblical. But now it's been totally redefined. So when you hear marriage, you think, well, it could be John and Sue. It could be John and Bill. It could be Sue and Jill. It can be any one of a number of possibilities. And, the only re- and, and it, there's no divine purpose manifested in the definition. Oh, I just can't wait for this to go on radio. I'm already in trouble. Let me proceed. Then next, the words male and female are being redefined as we speak. Now, now, it used to be when a person was born, the first thing a doctor said was, well, it's a boy, or up, it's a girl, based on the anatomy you were born with, which agrees with Scripture. Male and female, he created them. So God created two sexes, male, female. Now, that's not only Moses, but Jesus quoted Moses. The same thing. Jesus validated Moses' writings on marriage. Male and female, he created them. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. All right? But see, now, biological sex. Now, what does biological sex mean? The anatomy you were born with. Either male or female. Biological sex. Your sex. Are you a male or are you a female? Has been redefined to mean gender which we're told is shaped by culture and context, not genes and chromosomes. In other words, it doesn't matter what your sex was, your gender is different, and your gender is now your sex. And your gender can be anywhere up to a hundred different possibilities, we're being told today. Have you ever read the list of possibilities God is not the author of confusion. That's all I can say. Now watch this. It's become so confusing, this blew my mind, that a recent Supreme Court nominee, an Ivy League law school graduate, could not define the word woman. Because it's been so redefined that we can't even define it. I can define woman. I can define man. It's anatomy, brethren. I'm trying. But what's going on here? The redefinition of words. 
And, and what are the words? They all, they, to a T, to, to a word. Every one of them originally had to do with a biblical concept. And now it's being redefined to uproot us from a biblical understanding of life and everything in it. It's, it's the babbleization. Boy, I'm making words up. It's the babbleization of our culture. And a lot of church folks are getting mixed, uh, mixed up in it too. Watch out. Don't be babbleized. Be transformed. Now here's the deal. When Satan wants to corrupt a society, the biblical meaning of things will be redefined to mean something totally different. Even B.C.A.D. When I grew up, when you were talking about before Christ, you said, okay, uh, 70 years before Christ, you said 70, 70 B.C., before Christ. If you were saying 70 A.D., you were, that's Anno Domini, and it means the year of our Lord. They took even that away. Now it's before the common era. What in the heck does that mean? Common era. But they took Christ out because originally those words, B.C. and A.D., those, those letters uh, divided history by Christ. But now it's out. So you say, well, it was before the common era or it was after the common era. I don't even know what that means. There's nothing common about any era. But it's being taken away. Now, I've got to really move along because I spent too long on this. But are you with me? Do you see what's going on here? So are we going to stick, are we going to receive Babylon's redefinitions? Or are we going to stick with the Bible's definition of things? Second thing he did was pick their literature. He, Nebuchadnezzar's servant, was to teach them the literature of the Babylonians. That means this pagan king wanted to control the information that informed their thinking. He wanted to control the information that informed their thinking. He, he wanted to be the one that shaped their worldview. So he controlled the information they had access to. He wanted them indoctrinated in Babylonian thinking. Because he knew as long as they think like Hebrews, I can't use them. So I'm a wicked king, and I want, <laughs> I want a godless kingdom, and I want everybody worshiping me, but I can't use these gifted young men until they have been babylized. So I'm going to control the information that gets into their mind. We know that the learning of the Babylonians, what they were exposed to was this. It was full of ungodly rituals, magic, incantations, divination, and mythology. Babylon was polytheistic. They had tons of gods. They were completely pagan. They, they were ungodly to the max. They cast spells. The, the land of Babylon was full of magicians and sorcerers and witchcraft and all the things that open you up to demonic activity. Babylon was covered in it. And he wanted them taught in the ways of the Babylonians. He wanted them babbleized in their thinking. If he could teach them false concepts, pagan beliefs, and the worldview of a godless nation, he had them. There is an effort with all of us here today 
that we would learn the ways of this world and not the ways of Scripture. That's why every single day I bury myself in the Word of God every single day. I need my, listen, I'm going to tell you, I want to be brainwashed. It washes my brain. I could spend the rest of this message describing how today's schools in many cities and states across our nation are actively teaching. Now, the teachers, there's a lot of wonderful teachers who resist what I'm about to describe to you. They love God and they resist it. And I wish I had time to tell you the incredible doors that have opened for us to go into schools uh, as, a, as our church turning point. We've been invited into schools. We, we had another middle school principal uh, came up to me a couple of Wednesday nights ago and wants us to visit his school. He's the principal of a middle school, uh, middle school, um, the whole area of the mid-cities. And he wants us to come in and pray. Amen. But what's happening in a lot of schools is they're being taught gross immorality, transgenderism, racial hatred, disrespect for parental authority, and socialist Marxist concepts in the attempt to replace biblical concepts with Babylonian lies. Third thing he did was he, ch- he, he chose their diet. The king assigned them a daily amount of food. Now the Hebrew right there means delicacies. We're talking about fattening. Uh, we're talking about a rich food. And wine from the king's table. But Daniel and the Hebrew children have been raised on a Levitical diet that was very healthy. And so it says, the Bible tells us that Daniel refused to defile himself with the king's food, which suggests it was offered to idols. So Nebuchadnezzar had even turned eating at the supper table into an idolatrous exercise. Food uh, dedicated to idols, but the Hebrew children had nothing to do with it. They refused it. The last thing I want to mention. So in other words, the world wants you to consume what it consumes. And that can be more than food. What's the world feeding on? You probably don't need to feed on it. Last thing, he changed their name which meant their identity and how they saw themselves, their self-image. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to make them forget the God of their fathers, the guide of their youth. And so he gave them names that exalted the gods of idolatry. Look what happened here. Daniel. Daniel means God is my judge. Jehovah is my judge. But his name was changed to Belteshazzar, which means Baal protects the king. Baal was a terrible idol. Child sacrifice happened to Baal. And so Daniel's Babylonian name became Baal protects the king. Hananiah means compassion of God. But his name was changed to Shadrach, meaning the Babylonian god of the moon. Mishael means who is like God. And he was renamed Meshach, which also means the Babylonian god of the moon. And then Azariah means helped by God. And he was renamed Abednego, meaning the servant of Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom. All idols, all false gods, their names were changed. So Daniel, who are you? Well, my name means Baal protects the king. But the Bible says they rejected it. This full throttle attempt 
to rename them, change their identity, define them, babylize them. It, they underwent a full throttle attempt. And it was met with a resolve, folks, that, expressed, that was expressed by Daniel that all of us need to hear today. And, and here's where I want to land as we get ready to close. Here's what it says Daniel and the Hebrew children did. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Can we say purposed? That means, remember what it says, Jesus, when he got ready to go to Jerusalem, where he knew he was going to be crucified, you know, you know where it says he set his face like a flint? That means he was absolutely set on, determined to go, non-negotiably, I am going to go to Jerusalem, nobody's going to stop me, I'm headed to Jerusalem, this is why I came to the earth, to die on the cross, I'm going to Jerusalem, so I have set my face like a flint, it's the same idea. Daniel purposed in his heart, there is no way... I'm going to let Babylon babylize me. I am not going to be conformed to this world. But I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to stay true to God. I'm going to honor God and I'm going to refuse evil. I have made a set and concrete decision to reject being babylized. He would have loved Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what he was saying. You can take me away from my upbringing, but you cannot take my upbringing away from me. That's what he was saying. Everybody say with me, I've set my heart that I will not think like, talk like, walk like, eat like, or allow myself to be defined by this world. Mm-hmm. Now, in closing, I want to show you something cool. Ready? The Bible says that God so honored that decision that when the king interviewed them at the end of the three years and they were supposed to be fully babylized, they were still completely Hebrewized. It says, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, they served before the king. That means they were promoted above all their peers, even though they had never bowed the knee to Babylon. So promotion came not from a pagan king. Promotion came from God. Amen, amen, amen. So stand with me today, would you? The question for every profession Christian today is this. Am I going to follow the example of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Am I going to refuse the language, the consumption, the teaching, the attempt of the world's part to define me? I was called more names this week. <laughs> I go on social media and I just quote the word. I think I'm going to take a fast from social media. But, oh, I'm called all kinds of things. And I go, you know, it, it wants to stick to you. But you go offline, you go, eh, that's not what God says about me. That's not what God says about me. Nah. I'll tell you what, you better get used to it because they're going to call you names if you walk with Christ. They're going to call you names. Oh, you're one of those. You're one of those bigoted, narrow-minded, 
misogynistic. I mean, they even created names for me. And, and, and so you go, no, 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 that's not anything. No, that's not true. You're trying to define me. You're trying to shame me for standing up for Christ. You're not going to shame me because that's not what God says about me. Church is going to have to grow a backbone and don't be hypersensitive and don't be easily offended. Take it on the chin. These times we're in are about to separate the men from the boys, the women from the girls. Yeah? And how deep your commitment goes. But I'm going to tell you, this boy is not going to be babylized. No. No. Now go out of here and pray for me. I got one service to go. And, and, um, but this is the truth. Is this not the truth? I didn't say anything today that's not true. It's true. The redefining of names, so many more I could have gone into. They've redefined love. They've redefined tolerance. So much redefining has happened. Here is my definer. When I open it, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Everywhere I go, I go like this, and it lights my path. That's right. (laughs) I bet you don't have one of these. And you can't buy them at your nearest Bible bookstore either. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've called us to have a renewed mind. Help us, Lord, to spend daily time in your word. Daily time in prayer. Wash our minds, Lord. Church, can we pray? Because the more that we are transformed, the more He's going to use us. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that every day my mind is under attack with ungodly thinking and morality. Lord, help me to not be babylized, but to be a child of the kingdom in my thinking and ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank the Lord today. Thank the Lord today.